Charlize Theron, and by we, I mean myself, Regina Connolly, and Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello. And Bob Shields. Hello. And today, special guest, friend of the podcast, you may remember him from the opening of The Murder Door and Silent Tolerance through all of our recordings, (laughs) it's my brother, Joe Connolly. Hello. Thank you for having me. Today we are reviewing Hancock, which came out in... 2008. 2008. I always know what year it is. So we should start with our one sound reviews, shall we? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Regina sounds different. It does. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this movie as well. I liked it a lot better than I thought I was going to like it on a second watch. Okay, so I haven't seen this before, or had not seen this before, and I was expecting to like it more than I did. I had the wrong expectations. Okay. And my, I am not normally the kind of person, as you may know from listening to this podcast, who really cares about things like plot holes or logical inconsistencies. <laughs> like, I sat here defending Prometheus. Like, well, it's pretty. <laughs> I just constantly was like, wait, wait, what? Come on, throughout this movie. See, I feel like this movie has a much better movie hidden inside of it. And it has some rough edges, but I enjoyed it way more than I expected to. And I I had like sort of like limited expectations, but it genuinely surprised me. It went in a direction I was like, I never predicted that this was the outcome. Oh, so did you know the deal with Charlize Theron's character? No, I didn't know anything about the movie except for that it was uh, a Will Smith superhero movie I'd never seen. Unfortunately, I did know the deal with Charlize Theron's character ahead of time. That is a spoiler you don't want. No, you don't want to know. So the best part. Yeah. So, guys... We're entering spoiler Spoiler country. country. (laughs) All right, so here's a quick plot summary. The movie starts with a drunk Will Smith on a park bench. How does he get drunk? He drinks a lot of whiskey. He has a, he has a six Bottles. pack of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, he has an entire case. It's literally the only liquid he puts in his body. All right. Also, he's not the Flash. Okay. Or Captain America. I was thinking of Captain America. Yeah. He is definitively not Captain America. I just feel like if you're going to be bulletproof, that your brain and liver should not let you also get drunk. Wait, does does this is going to be a bad road to go down, but can Wolverine get drunk? I don't think he can. I mean, he drinks a lot. I just mm-hmm. think he likes the way it tastes. He never gets drunk. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you do never see him really drunk. But is he just too stoic? Nerds, help us out! <laughs> I'm sure people have opinions about this. Well, this particular superhero can get drunk because they show him getting drunk. So I'm going to accept that at face value. 
and a kid is like, hey, Hancock, like, there's a high-speed chase going on on the freeway. Like, why don't you do anything? And he's all like, grumble, grumble, I don't want to. But then he does intervene, and you basically see him being, like, a drunk, messy superhero. The way that he flies is hilarious. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> the, like, that was, like, when it started, I was like, oh, okay, I'm here for this movie. Because he, like, launches into the sky and, like, flies through a flock of birds. With ludicrous flying. Yeah. <laughs> Move, bitch, get bitch. out the way. <laughs> It is very funny, and I also feel like whenever we see people fly, it's very, like, majestic and angelic, and this looks like a dude in the sky being like, what? Like, when you see people running at the park that aren't, like, Olympic athletes, they're just sort of like, I'm trying to jog for the first time. That's one of my favorite things about this is the way it explores, like, superhero mechanics a little bit. Like, they're obviously fluid with how that would kind of work. Uh, and so, like, I really like this boy. He's just kind of bumbling. It's like, ah, shit! Like, he's got too much momentum to slow down and stuff like this, so he just crashes into things. Uh, I really like that about the movie Chronicle as well, when they learn to fly in that. And they're like, they fly really high, and like, it's cold up here, and they have to put coats on. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. So I'm like, this kind of thing, it, go, it goes through that kind of motion as well, where it tries to explore, like, how would superpowers actually work, and what would be the effect of them? And I feel like they find a number of delightful, like, small ways to show them in, like, like when he shaves his face with his own fingernails. <laughs> like, that's funny. Like, I feel like they found ways to be like... But I got all push my glasses up because the cops call and they're like, Hancock, it's an emergency. And he's like, I'll be right there as soon as I'm done shaving. I was fine with that. He's not this a reformed yet. woman is like literally bleeding from a gunshot wound and pinned <laughs> behind a car. And he's like, gotta get this scruff off. Well, that's because his PR guy told him he's got to show his good face. Yeah. So the so basically, like he's a mess, and the city of Los Angeles hates him because he costs a lot of money and he does a lot of property damage, which I think is a thing that they don't always explore in superhero mm-hmm. movies. And it's like, how would people actually react to that? And then he saves Jason Bateman, who is a PR guy with a good heart. And Jason Bateman's like, you saved my life. I want to save your reputation so that people don't treat you like shit because I think you're a good person. And Charlize Theron is like, I don't want this guy in my house near my kid. And you don't really know exactly why she's so mad. If And you- I had the reaction, Charlize Theron would never give birth to such a horribly ugly child. Rude. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> and accurate. In both ways. Because <laughs> it is her stepson. Correct. And Jason Bateman is like, you You should go to prison because people are calling for you to go to prison for all the damage that you've done and you've broken the law. And he's like, and then they're going to realize how much they miss you and they're going to ask you to come and help. And also, like, he helps him reform his image by, like, being a nicer person and not swearing so much. And then... so that, shaving. And shaving. And wearing a goofy costume. The ugliest of yeah. all superhero costumes. Yeah, it's like an X-Men 1 superhero And costume. was it supposed to look good? That's what I couldn't figure out. Because Will Smith does make fun of it. What's up it's... with the bird on the back? Because well, he had a hat with eagle. eagle symbol in his hat. Oh, I missed that entirely. See, I also thought it was a nod to potentially them being like... Hawk girl, hawk man equivalents and like ancient Egyptian uh, gods uh, and angels. Like they're supposed to be yeah. gods or angels. And it's a bald eagle, right? It's a metaphor for America. Well, and he's John Hancock. It's a bald eagle. Oh, it's, I, maybe it is because I think the it's an American eagle. Is the, the one yeah. he like is chilling with at the end is not. The, oh, okay. <laughs> so that was, that was just a regular falcon, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So he is successfully turning himself around, and then basically he finds out like he and Charlize have a moment where they kiss. And he has explained that, like, he has amnesia, he woke up in a hospital, he wasn't always like this, but he just woke up in a hospital and he had all these superpowers and no one in his life. And then it turns out that Charlize Theron is like him, and they are angels slash 
gods and that they were made in pairs and that when the pairs would come together, they'd fall in love and then over time become human and die so they could have a life um, when they were done defending humanity. Like they're there to help people and they're the last two left. And the closer they are together, for some reason, probably because they've been apart for so long, it's accelerating. So they're becoming human more quickly. And there was a, the person that Hancock stopped at a bank is a psychologist who convinces criminals to come with him to uh, get their power back from Hancock. There's a big fight. There's a big battle. And and an off-screen prison riot. No, there's a... Well, what about the... The, well, there, there is oh wait, there's two prison riots. Okay, no. There are zero prison riots. <laughs> there's a prison riot that is discussed on the news. There is a fight at prison. Okay. Yeah. I was counting that as, like, I was like, prison riot is nipped in the bud because of Hancock. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, wanted to be, they wanted there to be a prison riot, but and they, then he stopped it right. pretty effectively. But when Hancock is out of jail, and the main antagonist, who is completely boring and worthless. Yes, there's no and villain. Also, that actor cannot... Do whatever accent he was attempting. Well, he's British, so yeah, he was Spyglass in Atomic Blonde. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought he was supposed to be European, and then he sounded Southern. I don't know what he was trying to do, but it was a failure. Uh, it was evil. I was an evil <laughs> accent. I thought that was pretty clear. From oh, the you're beginning. absolutely right. He's from Evildonia. Yeah, Evildonia <laughs> is somewhere in the east of some Eurasia. But so uh, basically, Charlie Theron is like, we used to be in love. And uh, everyone kept trying to kill us, and they were almost killing you because of me. So I, when I came to the hospital, you didn't remember me, and I thought it would be for the best if you could just live your life, and then you'd be safe because I wouldn't be around you. Then they both almost die, and then Hancock jumps out of the building so they're far enough away that they both return to their powers. And then he goes off to New York, and she continues her life with Jason Bateman and her kid, and uh, that's where the movie ends. And that's a sort of like rough sketch. But I, watching it, had no idea that Charlize Theron was also a superhero. That must have been such a fun reveal. It was. I normally am totally cool about being... Not totally cool. I'm normally relatively chill about being spoiled, but this clearly made it worse. It was amazing, and I, like, immediately turned to you and I was like, she can't be the villain. Because, like you said, there's no villain up until that point. And then when she goes to meet Hancock to talk to him, she's wearing villain gear. Like, she's wearing a black outfit. She puts on her her superhero eyeliner. She's got a lot of boob out, and she's like threatening him so i'm like fuck if she's the villain i'm gonna be sad yeah and then also like knowing that because up until that point the way that she kept reacting to hancock so strongly as a like i hate this dude i was like i don't really get why she's doing that but now knowing like i didn't really enjoy the first half of the movie i was like uh this is unpleasant and like he puts a man's head up another man's butt and i was like okay movie that was really like physically upset by that so i really enjoyed I thought that was like, well, they actually followed through because he says that to them in the car. He's like, "This is you're drawing the short straw because your head's going up my ass," uh, and then they just kind of he doesn't follow through on that. He just kind of picks the car up and tosses it around. Uh, and then when they actually follow through, I was like, in the prison, I was like, that's just great. And it was like very well realized; like it looked convincing. It did look upsettingly convincing. I hated it. I was very upset, and I wanted my goddamn prison riot. And also, I thought it was a very effective way of stopping a prison riot. (laughs) Yes! What are you going to do after that? Right. (laughs) So, I'm not so upset that there wasn't a prison riot while Hancock was in prison, because, again, pushing my glasses up my face, why he's like, oh, I guess I put most of you behind bars. They all know he's a superhero. Why would they challenge him? Like, I get it, they're dumb, they're criminals, they're tough guys, but no one's that stupid! No, that's not true. He's been around for, what, 80 years? It's not like... Like, their entire lives, they know that this guy exists. He's, like, beat the shit out of all of them. And then it's like, 
I'm not going to get out of your way, you know? Like, <laughs> why would you ever... But see, I felt like he wasn't necessarily in L.A. for 80 years, and I think that you can't turn your glasses or push your glasses up at this because, like, all villains in all movies think that they can take the hero, and I think they were like, well, you took me when it was just one-on-one, but now there's all of mm. us here. I think it's a strength yeah. in numbers. All right. Like, the guy did throw a whale, like, eight nautical miles into shit. It's <laughs> on YouTube. Like, True. everybody knows about it. It's like, let's step to this guy. <laughs> well, they don't have YouTube in prison, maybe. So, my fundamental criticism of the movie is that it is bifurcated in this way. The first, and so it, it yes. needs to choose. The first half is this really interesting idea that we talked about of like superheroes in a world with consequences, mm-hmm. right? And as much as I liked that concept was not really liking the execution, largely because I don't care about Hancock. I think part of the problem, and this is a sentence I didn't think I would say, is I think Will Smith is miscast in this role because he's so charming and likable. And like he's doing a good acting job in that he's thoroughly unlikable as an asshole. Like I I think he thought it was a cool challenge, and I'm like he succeeded in that challenge, but I think at the detriment to the movie. Exactly. (laughs) And I think this is uh like I was trying to go through my head of like different people that would be great in that role. Like who like who plays likable assholes where it's like you're like you're an asshole. But at the bottom, like you're, you know, like you're sort of undeniable. Like I feel like Constantine. Yeah, that's. I mean, like if we're gonna do it, like that's who I want Keanu to play. Interesting is Hancock because I feel like he can be a dick, but then he can also be goofy and likable. And like him flying through the air and just being sort of aggressive. I was like, I've already seen him do it in Constantine, so I think that. See, I was gonna replace the villain with Keanu. Me too, because the villain is so. Bad. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Boring. Not yeah. intimidating at all. Yeah, so I wanted true. scary Keanu, but you are making a very good, uh, compelling argument. I also was, they did not deal with race at all. Okay. I think that it, there's something interesting to be said about how much they turn against him mm-hmm. uh, as a community because he's black. And then him and Charlize Theron having this star-crossed love through centuries, she talks about all the times that people came after them to murder them, and she never says, one of these times was a lynching, but it feels like maybe in 1930 in Miami, Florida, people might have objected to a white woman and a black man seeing Frankenstein together. That's why they came after him. But they don't say that. Right, they just yeah. They just, like, let it go unspoken. Why not examine it? I, like I said, I think a better movie is underneath this movie yeah. that could have done that. Like, I feel like that's something they do in Legends of Tomorrow with Hawkman and Hawkgirl and, like, in the past. It's what? a black woman plays Hawkgirl and a white dude plays Hawkman. But at some point, like, she travels to the past and gets stuck in the past and falls in love with the Atom. And it's, like, people in the town react to that. Oh, my God. Do. I need to watch this show. Remember when I was in love with Hawkgirl? She's great in it. Okay. Like, it's not a good show. <laughs> I don't but. care. <laughs> All right. Anyway. T- but, yes, I love Hawkgirl and Hawkman's I love that you made that comparison i love their star-crossed love i felt like that was part of what this was sort of alluding to okay so i really liked will smith as a sort of less verbose straight man i thought he did a good job i thought it was a, a good contrast to what he usually does in like men in black and independence day yeah i mean he definitely played something that he doesn't normally play so like kudos yeah but i also <laughs> didn't want it here <laughs> i felt like the turn was like, like you said, like, I feel like the first half of the movie was one thing and the second half of the movie was the other. And the first half, it's like, knowing the twist now, maybe I would enjoy it more. But I just found him so unlikable and the head up the butt just so, like, 
okay. <laughs> like, I just don't feel like this movie is necessarily made for me. Um, but then the second half, like, I liked the uh, allusions to a richer history that they don't feel like they have to go a lot into. I liked the mythology of, like, what's happening with them. I thought that they gave you just enough information to let the plot continue without bogging you down with, like, flashback to or long, you know. I agree. I still think that if you've got a story about two gods torn apart by fate and brought together <laughs> by love, maybe you should get there before... Th- two-thirds of the way through the movie, right? Like, it seems insulting also to Charlize Theron's character that it's like, oh, by the way, she can control the weather. Never mind. Like, why isn't she the main character in this movie? Also, like, this woman who can control the weather and has super strength decides to just be a mom? What's up with that? Let's talk about those issues, right? How does she feel when she hears on the news that there's some kind of crisis? Because she clearly has been trying to keep it under wraps and hasn't been doing superheroing. I care more about her. I think the reason she's doing that is because she, uh, like, I I think they were going, like, the guardian angel route, and that Jason Bateman is a man who can fundamentally change the earth for the better, and she is there to protect him. But she also genuinely loved him, which is one thing I did like about this movie. You did or didn't? Did. Oh, I really like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was really happy that I like that it's like, okay, I was I have this soulmate. Sorry to cut you off. It's like I have this soulmate. Ugh! Okay, but then also my husband who I love. <laughs> yeah, like I liked that the movie was like you can love more than one person yeah. in a lifetime. So I, I, I thought that her not doing superheroing was basically like she was being a hero in a different way. I'm not saying that it's bad that she wasn't doing superheroing. I'm saying that it was completely unexplored. Like they there's no concern about her emotions or her choices. It's just all kind of like incidental in the background and it felt very rushed. Yeah, I mean it it does feel like two movies cobbled together. Yeah. Uh, and like they have the whole mythology thing which they just kind of throw in as kind of throwaways, like, well, we used to be called this, now we're called superheroes, uh, which is an interesting thing to explore. But yeah, it, it was focused too much on uh, Will Smith's redemption arc, which is really more of a background plot. Like, you have the whole setup of him establishing what it makes a superhero and, like, uh, his powers and abilities. And then you could have focused on, you know, exploring what that means in different walks of life. I and mean, especially when you have two superpowered people... Like, why is Will Smith in his position, and then why is Charlize in her position would have been a much more interesting movie. Yeah. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought it was great. Uh, It does have a lot of issues uh, that I'm just like, why did you throw that in there? Like uh, what? Like when he's uh, looking at the uh, the comics, and it's like, what is this? What do you think of when you see this? And he goes, "Homo." Oh yeah. And I was like, really? Yeah. yeah. Also, like when he <laughs> throws the little kid bully into the sky. I'm like, very upset by that. So I think my Keanu moment, I have him as the little kid who gets tossed in the air. Just because <laughs> I want to hear Keanu Reeves say, Le petit asshole. <laughs> he did grow up in Canada, so he probably speaks some French. Yeah. So like child actor Keanu Reeves with long hair. Yep, yep. Yeah, that'd be good. I could do that. Maybe when he lands, he goes, whoa. I think you could cut so much of the beginning of him just being a dick and like cut that down to like a tenth of the movie like he we need if we see the opening chase of like him drop the car on top of the building and the next thing is him saving Jason Bateman like we do not need to see him have sex with that woman we do not like that was awful that's in the unrated version 
Oh. So we watched that. I, I asked you ahead of time! I was wrong. Okay, I was also going to comment on the fact that, because, so, I watched the, my DVD had both choices, and I was like, which one do you guys have? And he was like, theatrical, so I watched it. But then I went and looked what happened in the unrated, because yeah. in the theatrical version, first of all, this is important, they don't kiss she throws the fridge at him before they kiss. And then in a later scene, he says, you wouldn't have kissed me like you did last night. And I'm like, yeah, uh. you, you what? <laughs> uh, that makes me crazy. Um, also, they use the radio edit of the Ludacris song in the beginning, and it sounds absurd. Okay. Um, it's just like, move! Long pause. <laughs> Get out the way! And, yeah, the sex scene. Hancock has sex with a woman, and my understanding is he's like, Get away from me when I come, or I'll shoot a hole in you. And then he shoots a hole in the roof of his... Yep. Multiple yep. holes. And then she... Ah! Yep. That he makes it much grosser. I kind of... Here's the thing. That scene sounds gross, and I'm glad I didn't watch it. But it is, like, conversation that comic book dorks have all the time. Right. I'm just so saying, like, like, if the focus of the... I'm thinking if you're going to choose between the two movies that are here, you oh. should choose the latter. And oh, you I can cut down the agree. beginning. So we can get rid of him punishing the child. We can get rid of him having sex uh, with that woman. Like, I think you only need the two... Like, the first scene... And then him saving Jason Bateman, and then Jason, like, that could be enough, and Charlize's reaction to him, I feel like, would be enough, um, of, like, knowing that that's how people in L.A. feel about him. Like, I yeah. think yeah. I think you could trim it down so much. I think, I think that I they're... Think, I think the crowd reaction to him saving Jason Bateman and, like, criticizing what he did is also important, being like, why didn't you just fly up in the sky with the car? Because <laughs> that's something people like to say about superheroes all the time, like, right. criticizing, well, why didn't he just do this? Right. Like... Uh, like so, I thought I thought that was an important reaction as well. But yeah, those two scenes are really all you needed of the drunk superhero. Exactly. Yeah. Another thing is like I know a lot of people like love Jason Bateman, and I've always just sort of been like he's a person. Like I don't notice him as standout or not, and I did not really enjoy Arrested Development, so I wasn't like, oh, he's great. I thought he was hilarious in this. I thought this was like the best I've ever seen. You him. know what? I I totally agree. I find him very smarmy and gross. And he's, in this, or no, 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 other things? generally. Okay. And in this, he seems like a genuinely good person, which I did not know he was capable of. He's like, I like the scene when Hancock's like putting him to bed, and he's oh, drunk. I know. That's my favorite part. He's like Hancock tucking me in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the best. And like when they're at dinner together, and like she's all upset, which makes sense, like why she would actually be like weeping about that story. And, like, I don't know, like, they're just, I just thought I was very, he was very charming in it and genuinely funny. And I thought, like, in his pitch meetings where he's like, hey, like, if you just gave away drugs, everyone would be okay. And the other people would be like, I thought you were going to talk to us about Hancock. Yeah. Like, I just, I thought he was really funny in this. I'm trying to think of other funny moments. But there were, like, when he's trying to coach him into saying good job, yeah. after things, he's like, can you just say good job? Good job. Like, over and over. And also, when Will Smith does that at the bank that robbery was scene. It was funny every time. He did it like eight times. And that was the one time where I was like, maybe Will Smith was the right person for yeah. this role. But I, let's be honest. If Keanu did that, I would laugh for days. So funny. Can we talk about how Charlize Theron says in one scene, if, I, if, you, if he finds out my secret, I'll kill you. And then causes a tornado storm in front of her husband's <laughs> office. <laughs> Joe and I were watching it. I just turned and was like, of course, they end up on the ground, right. like right next to his office. Because LA is right. real tiny. Right. 
Definitely. Whatever. Well, they do. They are seeking him out because when they start to leave, that's he, right. isn't he like, I'm going to go tell him, and that's why she starts chasing oh. him. Oh. Oh, okay. So All right, Joe. You're him. right. I also <laughs> liked, so like Hancock has like a trigger word where if you call him an asshole, he's going to do some terrible thing. And I really liked that he was like, stop being such a crazy bitch. And that Charlize's reaction was like, "Call me crazy one more time." I also <laughs> very much enjoyed that. One of the superhero mechanics in this is they all have a trigger word to make them go insane. <laughs> but I specifically <laughs> liked that hers was crazy. Yep, as, as a woman, and I, I, I just that was great. Yeah, and I also love that like part of the reason she was so is she wasn't giving him the full story because uh, she was trying to like control the narrative, like how things played out, and that she was doing it from a protective place, but like it ended in this big fight. And I kind of liked that in this movie, even though there was like no real villain, like I was kind of okay with that, and that like the big fight was like between two good people, not a thing that you see very often. Yeah, but there was a villain, and he shows up at the end, and there's a big crisis with the villain at the end, and no one cares, because he's not scary. I think that's okay, though, because he's like an average, he's like an everyday superhero. He's the superhero that flies into birds, so he doesn't get the Joker. He gets some idiot that he cut his hand off of. I don't need the Joker. I just need someone with something going on. Like, show up more than, like, a Derringer to take out the most powerful man in the world. (laughs) Like, show up with three guys, and it's like... Well, he and was maybe, a psychologist, guys, and they, so he doesn't have a lot of villain like, training. Right, the you whole can tell thing. From that inspiring speech with the other two guys, where it's like, <laughs> he took your power. Let's take it back let's, and hold hands and not make eye contact. It was. <laughs> I also loved when they were in the bank robbery scene, and uh, Hancock takes the lampshade and like, f- like he basically like slowly builds a saw disc to throw through the oh, air, yeah. and then like sharpens it with his thumbnail. And like you said, like why don't people know that he can do it? I, I thought that was funny, though. I still think that that was, like, a fun way to be, like, how is he going to do the things that he wants to do? Because, as you know from previous dork conversations, I have always contended that it makes no sense that Superman is good at fighting because he would never have to learn to be good at fighting because nothing can hurt him. So why does he know how to box? Like, he doesn't need to. If he just hits you however he wants to hit you, you're going to go down. And I feel like Hancock being, like, messy and sloppy like mm-hmm. that is delightful. I am still really upset, though, that Hancock is hanging out in a convenience store and we hear on the news that the bad guy has escaped following a prison riot. So do you have an answer for would this movie be improved by a prison riot? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Show us that prison riot, Joe. Yeah, I think I would have been more pleased with, like, I'm trying to think, uh, was it the fate of the, where it's like the prison riot going on and he's kind of calmly sitting in his cell yes. and they keep coming up like, we're going to get in there and you know. Yeah. That would have been great too. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. It would have been good if it had been like, like I really like that part where he, they're all in leg irons and he just walks dragging them uh, <laughs> from the bus. That's not in the theatrical version. Oh, it's not? No, no. that's I very that funny. I thought was in the version that's I saw cool. before. But, I'm, maybe I was sneezing. But, uh. <laughs> It would have been good if the, like, the prison riot was going on and they were all trying to get him, but he just like calmly walks through them all and like drags them through the yard. <laughs> that was funny. I also I like the scene where like he jumps out to pick up the basketball, oh, oh that that could have been a good opportunity for a riot to happen. People be like, he's getting out! Ah, this is our chance! Uh, and then like I like that like you see Will Smith like make the decision like no I have to go back because I felt yeah. like the movie was saying like you can't you can't be alone you need to have human connections and he doesn't need to have romantic Charlie's connection to like continue on his life but as right. long as you know who's who he is and why he's doing what he's doing and like cares about people he's gonna be okay that's like a nice that's a nice message for a movie that involves a man's head going up another man's ass we could have just <laughs> taken that part out also no that was a good part. <laughs> <laughs> 
sophisticated British humor. That's it. <laughs> I told you, you can't beat that stuff. That's the best kind of humor. The one criticism I do have, well, I mean, I've had several, but one where I was like, come on, guys. So when he uh, solves the bank thing and he hands off the guy's hand and he says, like, good job again, and the police officer's like, no, like, you did a good job. And then everyone claps. It spins around his face for like a solid two minutes being like, look, look. And I'm like, just one 360 is fine. Like, I don't need this endless loop of Google Maps view of everyone being excited for Hancock. So guys, do you want to hear my really exciting fan theory? What? So in the narrative of this film, Will Smith's character and Charlize Theron's character are together in the 1930s in the southern United States. I think that Hancock is Bagger Vance. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that could in fact be true. Knee slapping good time. That's it. <laughs> then how did Charlize get her powers? Was she always? Oh, she always had them. That was, was so. You know how she's a guardian angel. Yeah. Her guardian angel yeah. person at the time was boring Matt Damon. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Cool. So, do we have Charlie Zenith? I think for me, as the scene where she shows up in her super human or her superhero eyeliner like that's probably for me the nadir of the movie but the most i loved that i was just like this doesn't make any sense (laughs) at that point i didn't know if she was a villain or not so when she shows up in her superhero like like i thought that she was now going to be the big bad of the movie okay so her coming in that outfit i was like oh fuck like what's gonna happen i was all stressed out about it i was like i don't want her to be the bad guy (laughs) it doesn't make any sense so i was upset but I really liked her delivery of I'm stronger than you. Yeah. And also don't call me crazy or call me crazy again. That's yeah. That too. But really her being like, he's like, we're the same. And she's like, <laughs> I'm stronger than you. Guys, fan theory. In <laughs> Hamilton, when he says, call me son one more time, maybe that's his trigger word and he's actually a superhero. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So that, who was he close to wait, to become Does that mortal? mean Marty McFly Eliza. is also a superhero and you can't call him chicken? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Okay. Nice. Charlie Zenith. So I think I... So I really actually liked her, like, two-take acting the or two-interpretation acting of, like, she doesn't want him near her family because he's dangerous and he's a drunk, but also because she knows the truth and knows the real... Uh, you know, real situation between the two of them. And I thought that came really, like, watching it for a second time, knowing that uh, element of it. Uh, the Charlie Zenith for me was when they're at the dinner table after he's had a successful, you know, rescuing the police officer and stopping the bank robbery. Uh, and he tells his origin story about how he, you know, was not unconscious and woke up with no memory and had no one in his life to come and uh, claim him or help him get back on his feet. Uh, and then she has her red-rimmed eyes, is my favorite thing to make a Charlie Zenith out of, and is, like, weeping, and he, she plays it well, and it's, like, it's a sad story, and she's sad about it, but she's just tipped it slightly up a little bit more because she is a person who obviously abandoned him. Yeah. Uh, which we then find out later, but watching it, knowing that, she really sells it well. See, I did not know that she specifically... I knew she had superpowers at that point, but I didn't know that they had this, like, you know, hot girl thing going on and that she had specifically abandoned him. And I interpreted that as, like, her being like, yeah, I'm fundamentally lonely, too. And so, like, you're right. Like, there's, like, a lot 
There's a lot of ways right. to read into that. Yes, she does it very well. I'll go with a red-rimmed eye moment as well. <laughs> I like when she's uh, explaining to him, like, why they get weaker, and she's just, like, at the hospital bed, and it's like, you know, she's just looking at him like, oh, the answer's obvious, silly, like, because we die, and, like, we can... <laughs> Yeah. She so just has this, yeah, like she just has this yeah. look, and I, I just remember looking at it, it's just like, you're so ridiculously good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Factual. True. <laughs> I've, I've got two. So when she like cries at the restaurant, and then Jason Bateman's like, what's up? And she's like, ah, I've just had too much to drink. Like the way she like turns on a dime and is just like, no, I'm just an inabelievable way. But I also, I really like the the slapstick of him, of Hancock, like, hitting her with oh, kitchen yes. implements, like, sneaking up on her and being like, I'm going to try to stab you because I know you're a superhero. And just her being like, stop it! Like, quit it! Yeah, Bending it back. Yeah, <laughs> like, trying to make sure that her husband doesn't see that happening. Like, I just thought that was funny, and I delight any time that Charlize does comedy stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's slapsticky goodness. Yeah, they're, they're backgroundy. Mime argument was really well done. While Jason Bateman's on the phone, yeah, and you see them like slightly blur in the background, like stabbing each other and hitting each other with rolling pins and stuff. And when she was like, "Yeah, like when you you sneezed yesterday, you know that time you sneezed," I just thought that was funny. So those are mine. All right, let's do Ebert or Mebert. Hancock is invulnerable, has super strength, and can fly, or at least hurtle through the air with the grace of a drunk toddler on a slip and slide. <laughs> Uh, Mebert. Ebert. Ebert. It's a Mebert. What? <laughs> I had a. I couldn't decide if I should do an actual Ebert, so I'm going to read that too. <laughs> okay. Mary gives Hancock an odd, penetrating look. Also the second time, and also the third time. Okay, okay already. We get it. One odd, penetrating look after another. They have some kind of history. <laughs> that is true. Yep. Because that is the first half of the movie. Wait, I also... <laughs> That is the first half of the movie. <laughs> Another thing I like in Jason Bateman's performance that, that reminded me of is when Hancock lands and he like does the dumb thing with the bully, and then Jason Bateman comes out and he's like, "Oh, like what did you do?" And he's like, uh, "Nothing. It was like that." And Jason Bateman's like, "I live here. I know what the road looks like." <laughs> That's funny. I got particularly more angry about Hancock's whole road destruction thing because we're going through such a bad pothole season. <laughs> and we know why. <laughs> and people in LA take driving very seriously. And they must not be used to potholes. Right. God damn you, Hancock. <laughs> Joe and I were talking about the fight in the hospital at the end. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, there is a part. Like, it's mostly pretty well done. Like, I think the, the physics of how the superhero thing works and his strength are usually done pretty well. But there's one part where he's fighting a guy with, like, a gas canister. Yeah. Uh, and the guy must also have super strength. I was also thinking <laughs> about that. Like, he smashes it in the door and it explodes while it's in his hands. <laughs> and like Hancock flies across the room, smashes into the wall, and this guy's on him, choking him. Like it blew up and he was just like... <laughs> I 100% thought that they were going to have some last minute reveal that the boring su- supervillain was a supervillain. Right? The right. boring villain was a supervillain. And right. then he had henchmen and they learned how to get powers. And I was like, oh, there's no more room for mythology. So I'm glad they didn't make that choice. Right. But you're right. It was totally yeah. cartoonish. Yeah, was that, the, the, everything kind of started to break down towards the end. Like it started off with a, a good premise. And like the more it progressed, it was like, oh, that's a plot hole. Why does that... Why does that do that? How does he deface the moon without anyone noticing? I was very upset by that. What did he do? To, what did he do it with? <laughs> did he take take a, a five million gallons of paint? Right, like, that's just like a sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just one Sharpie. Just, just the one. That's his superpower, is he can make Sharpies last forever. Also, wait, so, like, can he, does he not need to breathe? Like, not. what's the deal with Hancock's biology? He can, he can get breath. drunk, but he can also breathe on the moon. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. need oxygen. Or, guys, he could have just taken a rocket. We don't know that he flew there. Wait a second. Who's going to tell him no? Oh, okay, so he, like, stole space equipment. Yeah, he was like, dear Elon Musk, give me a minute. Because he leaves NASA alone out of respect. But he's like, Elon Musk can afford this. Because he's turned over a new leaf. Fun the, the CGI in this was fine. Right. It was it was at the very early days of digital stunt doubles, so they seemed yeah. kind of misjointed and blurry. But it's fine. Like, they did a good job of, like, how everything would work. And I thought, that, like... When the the impact with the train and like originally crashed into the ground, like you could tell, like oh, for a split second there, that was CGI rubble, and now it's real. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not like bad. It's not. A, it's not distractingly bad or anything. Right. It's just like when he'll he'll do a jump, like when he jumps to go get the basketball out of the the prison. It's like oh, he looks kind of weird in the air, like his arms aren't connected to his body. He looked like a Terry Gilliam cutout when he did that. Right. <laughs> like when he was in the sky, I was just expecting like giant teeth to come down or something. <laughs> just a big foot just land on him. <laughs> Classic British humor. That's it. Heads up butts and giant foot. So you guys have both seen this before and this is your second time watching it. Yes. yes. Was it different the second time? Like did you like it better or less so? I think maybe less. Like, I remember really liking, like, the reveal, and almost, like, because, I mean, you know they have history, but, like, you're still, like, I remember watching it being, like, like, why is this woman with, like, this great husband going to, I remember, like, being pissed, like, oh, this is bullshit. Yeah. And then, like, she throws him through a wall, and it's like, psych, I'm a badass. <laughs> I just remember really liking it, but, yeah. like, you know, so I knew it was coming, but seeing you react to it, I didn't know that you hadn't known mm-hmm. until you reacted to that. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Well, also, so when she was being, when she was giving the many meaningful looks, since I had seen the unrated version, I was like, did he shoot a hole in her in the past? <laughs> like, ah! I just assumed that's what had happened, is that he broke her during sex. <laughs> and that's why she kept giving him multiple meaningful looks, because one wasn't enough for that. <laughs> oh, God. So I think I liked it better the second time watching it. Huh. I think the first time I watched it, I was hung up on like all the plot holes and stuff, and like uh, like I wanted to know more about the history and the mechanics of everything. And, yeah. like, and I also thought like the whole PR uh, re-imaging was like, well, that seems kind of... Like that wouldn't work, or all like it. Like, there's a lot of like it strains a lot of credulity in places mm-hmm. like that. But the second time watching, I was like, no, nope, drunk superhero, I'm in for it. Like, <laughs> I much more enjoyed. I was able to just drop any uh, any criticism I had pre-existing. I, I have a theory about that. What you watched it Saturday morning, the time when all movies <laughs> get a boost. That is true. Every movie you watch Saturday morning, you like a little bit more. <laughs> that, possibly that. Yep. I've, now I have to watch it again. <laughs> What's the worst day to watch a movie? Guys, I this is I don't you're in the Prometheus chair. I'm the yeah. opposite of the Prometheus chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Pre- Prometheus chair's for the defender, right? No, I thought the Prometheus chair was the person who hated it the most. Yeah, well, it's the, no, it's the, oh, it's the one person who likes it. You're yeah. right. The one person with a differing opinion. You're in the I Hancock am, chair. I'm in the Hancock Hitchcock chair. Hitchcock in the Hancock. <laughs> 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 
And I'm now I'm curious if I was like, because I had a bad day, I had to stay late at work, like maybe I was just like grumpy. Give it a Saturday morning watch. I, yeah. Not for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely more okay with like, like, because they, they do a good job of like rendering all the physics and everything, like how his strength works. But then, it, then he'll also like pick up and throw a whale by like the tip of its tail. So it's like you would just tear a bit of its <laughs> tail off. <laughs> so I was like, but I was, I was totally fine with that this time. I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, he's not picking up the car by a jack point. It's fine. Like <laughs> when the whale hit the boat, I just like that's so predictable. But the I, whale hit the boat and it fell over, and I was like, you got me. That was a funny, funny visual. That was yeah. very funny to me. Other things I also enjoyed were post PR revival Hancock's. Photo smile. Yes! He doesn't know how to smile at all. But Will Smith, he does this thing in his quest to not be charming where he keeps, like, one side of his face scrunched up through most of his drunk miser scenes. And I just kept having the, like, your face is going to stay that way kind of reactions to it. The the bad guy thing just got to me more this time, too. Like, there's no main villain and they explode. And And at the end, I'm like, you're fighting for your life and everything. And, like, you just whipped a hospital bed at this dude, then, like, why are you pushing him into a wall? Just rip him in half and, like, be done with it. <laughs> just, like, all the all the bad guys, I was like, why would you even fuck with them? Yeah. Like, just yeah. That. I would say, like, that's another thing they don't grapple with at all in this movie that I think, like, they probably should, is, like, it's a big question in superhero movies of do you kill or not? As oh, hero. yeah. Oh, yeah. And he definitely kills a couple of people. But he also, like, specifically doesn't a lot of other times. Right. But it's, again, a thing where, like, it's not a discussion, it's not a hard hard moral Mm. line, so. Yeah. No, he definitely throws a couple of guys out windows. Yeah. But then the the people, the robbers in the the SUV at the beginning, leaves them. Leaves Mm -hmm. them and they're fine. He doesn't Uh, carry a gun. Yeah. But, yeah. I like that scene at the beginning when they when they shoot like they open fire on him when he's in their back seat and he's just fine. He's got like holes in his sunglasses, yeah. And then he's got his, his broken whiskey bottle. And he just points at it and shakes his head. <laughs> I also <laughs> would be upset about those sunglasses. Those were cool sunglasses. They, they were. were. I was also frankly upset and just seeing him in such gross clothes. What a waste. <laughs> like put him back in the men in black suit. I would much rather he have those gross clothes in the beginning if they had just made his superhero costume less embarrassing. That's true. Also, like, I think it's legit for him to have gross clothes because the city hates him and no one is paying him to do anything. So, like, how does he have any money? Yeah, exactly. Oh, another thing that I liked is when he is, like, returning to drinking because he's sad and the person in the store is being held up and he's like, $91.10. And he's like, what? Like, that's so much money. And then he, the the teller puts his hand over the zero, so it just says nine. It was very clever. I enjoyed that. But that is right when they were talking about the prison riot that was not <laughs> happening on screen, completely ruining what would have been a very charming moment of the film. I also, I like, I agree that it would have been fun to see the prison riot, but I actually really like when movies do uh, like a big plot point that you only hear about from newscasters no. in the background. Like, I think it's great in it's just like in Monster. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. And Shaun of the Dead, and it feels very uh, yeah. the the Zeppo for me. Like okay. I really, I really like critical narration being subverted by being like we're just gonna we're paying attention to this small story. We're not paying attention to the. the... But this is not this is not that because this is about a specific. It's like. If Shaun of the Dead were about the zombie apocalypse specifically coming for Shaun and he heard it on the radio while he was I trying to buy it. liquor. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Okay. I, but I, I did like the 911 thing because, again, I felt like this is a movie that should have been more predictable than it was. 
but it found multiple ways for me to be like, huh, I never thought about that. Like the, like the finger shaving, the 911 thing, like they're just like a couple of things where I'm just like, that's just, it's clever. Mm. But yeah, so I mean, it is written by Vince Gilligan, who is a very clever writer. Who's the other writer on the movie? No idea. He okay. hasn't really written many other things. Interesting. Uh, Vince, I think this is Vince Gilligan's only movie credit. Huh. Okay. But, you know. I feel like this might have made a better TV series. It would make a great TV series. Yeah. And also, the second half, the whole the hot girl shit, that feels like a Vince Gilligan episode of The X-Files. Like, that feels like something right. that he would have written, and I would have been like, okay. <laughs> that, feels, that feels like the first season cliffhanger. Like, the first season is his uh, rehabilitation. Yeah. And the, yeah. The, end of the first season is her throwing him through. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be amazing! People would watch that show. Yeah. Especially, like, Netflix dumb style. Come on. Yeah. Yep, I would watch the hell out of that. That would be great. <laughs> All right, well, peak TV. One thing I did want to comment is that this, it's interesting to me that this movie that's sort of deconstructing superhero stuff came out, like, right when our current era of superhero movies was kicking off. This came out, like, two months after Iron Man, yeah. right? Like, you know, obviously there had been, uh, you know, almost ten years of modern comic book movies leading up to this, so it, it did have some... Yeah, stuff yeah. to work with and obviously there's you know an, an eternity of comic book <laughs> other culture but it was interesting to be like oh wow this is like dealing with tropes that hadn't the whole like ingrained. huge destruction stuff like I think we often talk about like Man of Steel as kind of being like the apex right, yeah. of that and you know that's still five years off after this like I thought that was interesting yeah and was this intended to become a franchise I don't know I assume so here's the thing yes it was the Hollywood gave it money, right? Yeah. Like, don't they all want all of their movies to be franchises? I mean, it was after Lord of the Rings, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like they were setting it. It felt very much like that's the end. Especially without an actual villain. Like, it didn't feel like yeah. they were setting up a franchise. And maybe Will Smith is like, I've done my share of franchises. Did it do well? I think it did. I don't know. <laughs> my impression of the movie, like, going into it, was like, I thought it was like, reviled like i thought people were like this is a dumb terrible movie so i think maybe uh, that's part of what boosted it for hmm. me is like my impression and who knows what that's based on was that people thought this was a, a crap film no i just remember seeing it and being like oh that's not as bad as you know i yeah. heard kind of thing yeah i felt like there was animosity towards it and i don't know if that was part of the era of people being like weirdly like i don't know i, I feel like people like both love will smith but also love to be like ah, but that thing he did is dumb hmm. I also think that this movie probably should have been rated R. I know you guys watched the unrated version, but I feel like they're they could have done more things with it. Yeah, no. In a, in a post Deadpool world, it would be a much more. It would be a much yeah. freer. Wait, in the PG thirteen version, do they show the dude? Do they cut to you see the man with the man up his butt? Oh yeah, you see that in the the theatrical one. Really? Yeah. Thirteen-year-olds? They're cool with the human centipede's inception? <laughs> it wasn't really great. I mean, you know. <laughs> you don't see the edge of the orifice. Oh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> that was the one thing where I was like, excuse me, he would die from eternal bleeding. Like, yeah. No one... But maybe not instantaneously. I think he could walk around and be... But he's, like, perfectly fine afterwards. I'm like, that dude... Oh, okay. Could, that Probably dude has trouble dead. sitting down. He would also need a colostomy bag. Like, that colon is not getting repaired. Oh, I hate this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, you were the one who wanted to nitpick no. Okay, guys. It says on Wikipedia that they did intend to make a second movie. Okay. So the Columbia Pictures hired screenwriters Adam Fiera and Glenn Mazzara, and Charlie Theron confirmed she would reprise her role. It just didn't happen. What okay. would they Makes even sense. do in the second movie? Like, meet yeah. in Kansas? I don't know. Maybe if there was a superhero villain. There maybe. would have to be, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Or maybe like more, they thought they were the only two left, but they're not. Right. Like, just before them, just like hanging out, having a good time, like uh, waking up in Reno style. <laughs> 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 they just become polyamorous lord or angels. <laughs> Well, I mean, she's in love with Jason Bateman. Hey, fan theory, maybe before she met Jason Bateman, <laughs> she was in Waking Up in Reno. <laughs> All right, let's rank this, please. Okay. Uh, I am going to rank it below Huntsman Winter's War uh, and above Eon Flux. Okay, that's very similar to what I am doing, just way, 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 way further down. I'm putting this just below Eon Flux. And above the life and death of Peter Sellers. I, I sort of thought about putting it just above Eon Flux. And it's one of those things where I'm like, what is similar? I'm going to put it near right. there. Yeah. But I still have this affection for Eon Flux because, like, it tried so hard. Yeah. <laughs> She's in it a lot more. Yeah. So yeah. so this is going to go just below Eon Flux for me. So mine is going way higher. I'm putting mine just above Two Days in the Valley. Oh, wow. And just below Fate of the Furious. So a top oh. ten choice it for Bob. A, it is and a top ten choice. And it's also it a top is... ten choice for me. Oh, yeah. goodness. But I'm like, I, I was like, I admire, like, it had an idea and it followed through mostly. Like, the, the, the parts that were fun, like the how superheroes work and, like, all that stuff, was probably the entire point of the movie. It's like, what if you had a drunk superhero? That part they followed through on. Yeah. And then they struggled to do a redemption and ex- explanation for his powers and all that good stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I, and I, I, maybe it's the Saturday morning cartoon boost, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have to say this movie inexplicably reminded me of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, because... I haven't seen it. Well, it has unlikable characters and muddled plot lines and misguided redemption arcs. <laughs> so... And uh, bullying children. So nice. that's that was the moment when... The bullying of the child. That's when I was like, oh, this reminds me of uh, Three Billboards. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I've got a plug. On Thursday, the day this comes out, March 1st, uh, at Arcade Comedy Theater, there is a sketch show part of the Cultural Trust Humanities Festival. The show is called Oh, the Humanity! Produced by Michael Rubino and frankly Scarlett will be performing three of our sketches. There will also be other really wonderful sketches uh, written by Mike Rubino with a great cast of actors. It's Thursday, 8 p.m. Arcade Comedy Theater. Come see it. In Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. I also have a plug and it is not location specific, but I listened to the most recent episode of High on Film who had as a guest our also good friend Joe McGranigan and they discussed the film Hamlet and there were shots fired about Keanu Reeves' performance and Much Ado About Nothing. So there is a tie-in, but also it's just a good episode, and you guys might remember them from our Reindeer Games episode. They're great, so go listen to that. And listen to Addie Twig's podcast, Add It Up, because originally when I guessed it on her podcast, I said, you know, come on, this is on. What, what do you want to watch? And she said Hancock. And then we couldn't make our schedules work. She's recovering from surgery. So go listen to her podcast. It's really great. It is very good, actually. I listened to the Missy Moreno and Aaron Kleiber. That's the one. Aaron Kleiber. That, that guy. That, that episode. And it was delightful and hilarious. Oh, man. And you should go see Aaron Kleiber's stand-up special recording at the Carnegie Library of Homestead, I think is where yep. it is. That's on March 3rd. There's a show at 7. There's a show at 10. Jason Clark and Sean Collier opening for him. Oh, my God. It's going to be so great. It's called No Vacations. And listen to our episodes and follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Theronathon and follow us on Instagram at Charlize Theronathon 
Um, next week, we don't know what movie we're doing yet, but we have another very special guest, and we will reveal that next week. So, so many surprises. Mm -hmm. Thank uh, you, Alex Reed, for the theme song. Yeah, thank you so much. So good. Thank you, Joe Connolly. Oh, my God. Hey guys, guys. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Good job. Good job. You good job. And thank, thank you, Charlize. Say good job. Good. 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 Ja. Good. Ja. Good. Job. Good job. Um. Good job. Good job. Really good job. Good job!